Joey Gallo. Welcome in to the NSFW Dynasty Podcast. We are back. Week 7 in the books. I am your host, Dave Reed, joined by my co-host, Ryan Wilkinson and Joey Gallo. What's going on, Ryan? Man, we, I can't believe we're already heading to week 8 of the NFL season. The official for the fantasy uh, regular season, most weeks you play till week 14. We are at the midpoint of the season. It's crazy to think we're halfway through. Uh, you start seeing which teams are, are looking like they're going to start selling for Dynasty, which teams are doubling down. We had a couple, actually, four trades in our league, which we'll get into later. Um, but yeah, with the now that's the midpoint, what we're going to run into later in this pod, we're going to kind of give a little reality check on the players that have uh, we've changed our opinions on throughout the season. But we'll get into that. But before, kind of want to run through some of the happenings that happened in Week Seven. Um, no, it wasn't the, the, uh, bloodbath that was week six with, uh, like season ending injuries, but there were some, uh, pretty significant injuries that happened. So initial one, Deshaun Watson, uh, finally was cleared to play. Then he wasn't, and then he was, and then he decided not to play again. So he, uh, he had, it looked like he, uh, had a concussion potentially on a horrible, horrible throw before the concussion that should have been intercepted, intercepted. He was clear to play after concussion, but they went with P.J. Walker, and honestly, he just looks off, and he's already been ruled out for Week 8. Um, so that one's ugly one. We got D.K. Metcalf was a late scratch due to his hip and I think like two or three other injuries potentially, uh, but JSN did take advantage and got a score that week. Jalen Waddle had like back spasms. He was in and out literally the whole game, uh, but he still got 6 for 63, uh, but only had about 45% of the snaps. Christian Watson left with the knee. He should be okay, but he's he's always banged up, so something to kind of uh, monitor. Barkley hyperextended his elbow for a bit, which terrified me because his arm was just dangling, but he was able to get back in and had a pretty big game. Eckler tweaked his ankle, uh, played, but didn't look himself. Uh, honestly, I'm starting to lower my expectations of what his output's going to be. Jerome Ford had a huge touchdown run to start the game, but ended up with a, a low-grade high ankle sprain, which is a Weird thing to say, um, but he'll probably be out a couple weeks. John Hurts hurt his knee. He said it was wearing a brace, but he should be okay. Godwin is dealing with a neck injury, but should be able to play this Thursday. Dawson Knox uh, is going under uh, wrist surgery and will be out for quite a bit. So it's Dalton Kincaid time. Uh, wheels up for him. Luke Musgrave uh, had an ankle injury. He may miss a week or two. Ryan Tannehill has already been ruled out for week eight coming out of the bye. So Malik Willis and potentially both Will uh, Levis might be playing. We'll see how that goes. And Fields has already been ruled out for week eight. So Tyson Badgent, who uh, got the win, he and he apparently was the Heisman of Division II uh, football, whatever the name of that uh, award is. But he got the win and looked pretty good. Um, so, yeah, uh, a lot of... Uh, Minor injuries, some that are out a week or two, but uh, I don't know if, what are your guys' view or what are the biggest takeaways from these? Yeah, I think just a couple that I'd highlight, you know, the, the bigger names. So Jalen Hurts, you know, wore a knee brace and was able to play the rest of the game, but it's definitely not something you want to see from one of the top quarterbacks. And then Barkley, like you said, you know, looked like his arm was dangling, but yeah. he ended up going back in and playing and having a big game. So it seems like he's going to be okay there. And then uh, the last one you touched on, I just think is interesting. Fields ruled out again. We're going to get to see Baggin again. 
and uh, he looked pretty good, and he was kind of fun to watch. Honestly, he was, you know, seemed to be pretty into the game. Was trying to pump up the crowd and whatnot when I saw him. So uh, we'll see if he can pull off another win. And you know, who knows what happens there? Uh, Fields has been great fantasy wise, but hasn't been able to win in real life. And then you know, the back division two quarterback comes in and does it. I think he's the only yeah. division two quarterback in like the entire NFL. Yeah, crazy. So that's an interesting one to keep an eye on, too. Yeah, I'm tempering my expectations on Badgen. I feel like his um, his yards per attempt, yards per completion numbers were quite low. And Deonta Foreman really, really dominated. Uh, yes, surprisingly. he did. The Three rushing, touchdowns, baby. The rushing game was really yeah. nice for Chicago. So we'll see what uh, he can. We'll see. It'll it'll be good to see him get a little bit of a stiffer test this upcoming weekend. Um, yeah, I think it was more though he was able to get them down the field to to yeah. the end zone mm-hmm. for, for him to get it in there, you know. So yeah, um, yeah they, they yeah, put up thirty points like that. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. he's to, taking every snap. So he, the ball's in his hand at some point, so I give, yeah. I'll give him credit for not losing the game. Yeah, but <laughs> I didn't see what you were talking about, Joe. I think it was like seventeen yards was like either the longest pass or the average pass or something. Yeah, longest, it was yeah. super longest pass. So yeah, it was super long. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, hurts. Hertz is interesting. Like there was a play in that first half where he was running towards the sideline and it, and it looked like he was limping. And I didn't know if I was kind of making it up in my head. Um, didn't nobody said anything about it on the broadcast. And I'm just kind of like, is that the way he runs? And then he came out at halftime with the brace on. I mean, it, I'm sure they're not making a big deal of it, but for somebody who is constantly, you know, like getting crushed up at the bottom of piles and, uh, how much of their offense relies upon his ability to move. Uh, it's probably something worth looking at. Eckler was concerning for me as well. Um, I mean, he, he he hobbled off pretty good after the tweak, and I was concerned he wasn't going to see the field again. Uh, so I was happy to see him back out there in the second half, but uh, it was just a, like a weird game for uh, the Chargers altogether. They just like, they, they, the whole second half of that game was weird. Like they, the offense, both offenses like no scores. Yeah, it looked really good in the first half, yeah. and then it you just had the like, over. You must have been pissed. I don't even think it hit, but it was like yeah, trending so nicely in the first half. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and uh, DK DK Metcalf sucked. I mean, I had him in my, uh, I had him in my DraftKings lineup against you guys, and I also had him in my starting lineup uh, in our league. And, you know, he's been he's been limited at practice. It was kind of like one of those like I got lulled into a sense of security by the fact that like for two or three weeks now, he's been limited in practice because he had that rib injury. And um, I didn't even bother paying any attention to it on game day because it was like, yeah, well, of course, he's questionable because he's still nursing the rib. Uh, And then by the time he was ruled out, it was not much that could be done for either the DraftKings lineup or the uh, or the NSFW lineup. So that was unfortunate, but it seems like he's trending towards being back this week. I saw the update on Sleeper right before we came on that he was yep. his designation was updated to healthy. So hopefully he's good. Yeah. And uh, speaking of that uh, DraftKings lineup, uh, Harrison, who was on the pod last week, he had a very good showing. He ended up uh, beating two of the three podcasters that we have here. But he could not take me down. Uh, I rode uh, Kelsey's 12 catches for 179 yards and a touchdown to victory. I paid up for that guy, made it a point. First guy I was putting in my lineup, and that was the difference maker for me. 
And as uh, Joey mentioned, he did come in last. It doesn't help when you have one of your more expensive wide receivers just not play. So um, that was unfortunate. We also do do this earlier in the week, and they're locked. So not really much you could have done there. Um, so unfortunate, Joe. But yeah, I, I mean, it, it, beyond beyond Metcalf, right? Like I'd be the first to admit if it, if this was. This was a, a horrific lineup. <laughs> horrific, horrific, horrific. It lineup. was a low score. Zach Evans yeah. uh, was my oh, so was another guy. Guy. <laughs> who also uh, goosed and Hollywood I don't Brown. I think he took a snap. <laughs> didn't do much. No, he didn't. I, I, it doesn't make any sense. And we'll talk about my thoughts on Daryl Henderson in a little bit. But yep. he looks like so freaking slow and washed up and yet he's getting all the carries he's just like lumbering his way into the line straight off the couch he yeah like why is he out there i just like it, it literally i just have no patience for it at all but the reality of the situation is uh mcveigh said that zach evans is not uh he's not ready he needs to spend more time learning the playbook learning the bl- the the blitz pickup schemes and honestly i think evans career is already over if like if you're getting Daryl Henderson coming off the bench to play ahead of you. You don't get a snap. That's not yeah. a good look. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it was a bad lineup objectively, but uh, we'll be back next time. Yeah. It's yeah. all right. We'll do to, it again. To avenge. My lineup was actually decent, but I got a goose from Jamison Williams, which killed me. Which but, will uh, happen most times you start Jamison yeah, Williams because the yeah, guy cannot one, catch. That one didn't work out. Hey, he had six <laughs> targets, but uh, – yeah, he came yeah, in with zero, zero of six. So that's what I'm saying. He cannot catch. It doesn't matter. That, that was a bad game script the entire time. I had that's why I played Am- Amon Ra, and he had what like a hundred catches in that game. Uh, even Gibbs had a ton, but Jamo yeah, just blocked for hands. Um, guy stinks. Um, but yeah, I mean, speaking of that, we can jump into Daryl Henderson and Royce Freeman. Uh, these guys. It was announced later in the week that like. Zach Evans might may not be the guy. It was like weird how it kind of came into it. It's like they were signing Royce. They may uh, bring in Daryl Henderson. And then it was – and you're like, oh, these are just depth guys that need them. Then it sort of be like Evans doesn't seem like the lead back. He may, it may be Henderson and Royce. And then like everyone's kind of like placing their bets, which one they ended up – who's going to be a starter. Ended up being Henderson, but who had a solid game, not an effective game. He went 18 for 61 in a score. And Royce Freeman was actually a bit more effective, going 12 for uh, 12 rushes for 66 yards. Uh, but both these guys look like potential starting options, but uh, maybe not the prettiest. But who knows? McVeigh just loves his type of guys, and if you fit his system, he's just going to give you the ball. Yeah, I was going to say this backfield has just been unbelievable. It literally started out the year where everyone was like, "Cam Akers is the guy," like no doubt about it. Then yeah. Kyron Williams comes out of nowhere; he's the guy. He goes down. Zach Evans is the guy. And now it's like Rice Freeman's the guy. Then Daryl Henderson's the guy. It's crazy. Yeah. And I just, I can't help but to think they need explosiveness coming from somebody in the backfield, right? Like uh, they signed Miles Gaskin. Yeah. Forgot he about was, that. He was inactive this past week. And, you know, like, trying to be completely unbiased here, like removing myself from the fantasy world where I have Zach Evans all over the place. If if you don't think that Evans is ready, then inactive him and get Miles Gaskin out there for like a change of pat change of pace, like receiving back, like some running back who looks like they aren't running with 
sand like bags <laughs> tied to their ankles. Like, <laughs> I think they probably will this week too. I think it's just Gaskin came in late. Um, yeah. But Evans is clearly going to be a healthy spot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I this, mean, this I, week. I hope so, just so that I can like drop him from my lineups and, and move on. <laughs> and also because I think I have Miles Gaskin in like three different yes. dynasty leagues. So, so unbiased spot here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> truthfully, like get somebody out there who is has any sort of burst whatsoever. You know, like mm-hmm. these are like Daryl Henderson and Royce Freeman are the same guy, except Royce is two or three, maybe not even two or three, maybe one year younger. And they're the same back. They've had plenty of opportunity and it's 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 fine. Like they're just fine. They're not great, but they're I fine. Mean, it's kind of how I view Kyron. None of these guys are especially talented, but if McVeigh trusts you, the role is so valuable, you're gonna do well. And I, I'm not saying uh Kyron is as bad as them because he's younger, but um I think that's the younger it. versions of Royce and Daryl are probably the same as Kyron I yeah, as well. I would agree with that. Yeah, that's the difference for sure. Yeah. Is you know, you have like probably most human running backs, with yeah. a few exceptions, have like two to four years of NFL legitimate burst. Even Saquon, like you can like he yeah. has some burst, but he's got that like old guy lumbering burst by now. Well, he also is like injured every play. Yeah. Um just terrifies me. Yeah. He's back out there. But uh, a couple other key players that in Dynasty you're probably keeping an eye on more. Um we had Rasheed Rice looked starting to look good. It's a rookie, um, so like anytime you start seeing a rookie, special wide receiver tied to potentially a strong quarterback, you start getting excited. So he's he's starting to really look, look nice. He went five for sixteen a touchdown, uh, and they need someone to kind of step up in that wide receiver group. Um, you yeah, had, I think, yep. I think that's the thing with him, right? We've been talking all season that there's no receivers there and someone needs to step up and whoever steps up there is going to obviously have a super valuable role behind Kelsey. So uh, if he's now the guy, that's huge value there. And he has burst too. So like if he, if he starts getting more trust, he can definitely do some special things there. Um, You had uh, finally uh, you had the Ravens offense just explode. They looked great. Um, I was an unfortunate play against Lamar in one of my other leagues where I had also Deontay who dominated and didn't matter. I lost by a point because Lamar went crazy, went through for 357 and three touchdowns and ran for another 36 in a score. Andrews had two touchdowns. Like everything they were doing was working. There was one play where I think I think Lamar ran around for like 10 seconds before throwing a touchdown. It was the most ridiculous thing, something only he could do. Um, and it was like a statement game against the Lions, who everyone has been kind of hyping up. So that was a kind of an interesting game to see. Um, you saw Josh Palmer, so stepping up for uh, the Chargers. He did his best Keenan act. He went five for 133. Um, and this, again, is another death-wide receiver most people probably had on their, their benches coming into the dynasty season. And now you got yourself a pretty solid wide receiver flex option. Um, and then the Monday night game, uh, Kirk Cousins, primetime Kirk Cousins, is a new version of himself. He, granted, some of these passes looked real bad. He should have had another pick that turned into a touchdown because uh, Addison ripped it from him. But big night for him. But overall, like you saw a huge game from Addison, who had seven for 123, t- two touchdowns. TJ Hawkinson was just a re- like a reception machine, 11 for 86. And you even saw a guy who was in waivers earlier this season and Brandon Powell get some good looks. He went four for 86 and could be a pretty uh, – 
involved uh, weapon going forward until JJ is back. Um, and finally, the Giants they get their win. Defense looks legit, and Waller finally had a huge game. So uh, it's good to see across the board. But any other takeaways from from these games? The one other team that just like continues to defy the odds and every single week, I just like can't, I still can't wrap my head around the fact that the Atlanta Falcons are, um, have yeah. a, have a, a winning record. They, they're constantly in these games. And I don't know if it's a reflection of the fact that their schedule has been maybe a little on the soft side and they've only been facing, you know, like this past week it was Tampa Bay and Washington. And before that, the Texans and the Jaguars and, the Lions and the Packers and the Panthers. That's like, honestly, the Lions maybe are the only above average team they've faced uh, the entire season. But, you know, like it's just every single week there, I'm always finding them in games. And I'm also just frustrated uh, by the fact that they, it almost seems like Arthur Smith's approach of not using his best players uh, it, it like just works, you know, like yeah. it's, it's like very frustrating because you want B. John Robinson to touch the ball more. You want Kyle Pitts to be more involved. And yet at the same time, he's not involving them and they're winning. So I, I understand they have uh, an above average defense, but you know that they just continue to be from like a fantasy perspective, just uh, a, a real enigma and a frustration for me trying to anticipate who on their offense is reliable to do anything when every single one of their games is the same script. It's like a game and played within like the 10 to 21 point range. And, you know, I, you can almost guarantee that when we've reached the, the witching hour, you know, Atlanta is <laughs> either going to be up or down, you know, four points, three points, 16 to three, 14 to 10, and there's a bunch of turnovers involved. I feel like it's the same game every week. But right. Witching Hour is basically just you're watching yeah. the Falcons game. Um, I digress. <laughs> it just it goes right into it. It's uh, just becoming frustrating. And yeah. hopefully it'll be nice to see them. I think, I mean, they play Tennessee this week. But then after that, I mean, they, they might have the, the easiest schedule in the entire they, week. They are very potentially a playoff team, which yeah. is going to like that – to your point, like it's just validating Arthur Smith's game plan. Uh, like yeah. people can criticize it all much. It's like I'm winning. Like what are you going to do about it? And that means it's more and more likely that potentially Ritter is a quarterback again because they're not drafting one. And I think we spoke about that uh, a week or two ago. Um, but they're too. Their record's too good to draft a quarterback. It's wild. They're favored in all but one. They're not a bad team. They're just Two, annoying three games for fantasy. The rest of the season. They're yeah, that's the thing. They actually have talent. Like we've talked yeah, about their know. players a yeah. lot. Yeah. But like Joe yeah. said, it it's you don't know who's gonna hit every week because as a giant fan, do you know how jealous I am of this talent? I wish we had <laughs> that have, talent. They have, they have a lot of talent. It's just they don't use it in a way where it's dynamic and flashy and attractive from a fantasy perspective. You know, it's like I honestly feel like Arthur Smith gets mad most times the GM drafts another talented player. He's like, come yeah. on, I just want like yeah. offensive linemen and just running it. Yeah. And then he gave him a running back. He's like, no, that guy's too yeah. talented. I want the fourth rounder who's just really big in Algier. Stinks. I know. But <laughs> with that being said, we're going to move to our next segment. Uh, we're going to break down, as I mentioned, uh, halfway through the fantasy regular season. Uh, you go – 
to each season with a lot of expectations of what you think players are going to be and storylines you make up in your head and what you want to buy into. And at this point, some of those came to fruition, but some of them don't. You kind of have to do a reality check on yourself. You got to stay water. You can't be stuck in your way of thinking that that's where you, you end up losing value on players or missing out. So you have to start changing your views on these players based on the facts and the stats that you have in front of you. So with that, we're each going to go through uh, a player at each of the key positions and I'll talk about a player that we've changed our opinion on, whether it be for the good or for the worse. Uh, did their uh, situation change? Just their play is better than what we thought it was. They're not being used in a certain way, or maybe we just evaluated the talent wrong. Um, but with that, going to jump in and uh right you have an interesting one i think will get people very uh riled up uh for quarterback first why don't you start off yeah yeah definitely a bit of a controversial one i'm sure um and before we even get to it i'm not saying that you know this guy is bad by any means but i do think you know this season has to be talked about and you know i went with joe burrow um in a negative way and i don't even know if i have one thing to point to in terms of, you know, a situation or, you know, anything that has really changed other than I guess his injury, but he sat out most of August and people still drafted him as a top five QB top seven, probably at worst. And if you got him as like the sixth or seventh quarterback, you were probably pretty pumped. And, you know, if someone told you prior to the season, he was going to suit up week one and play a hundred percent of every game through seven weeks, you'd be expecting you know, top five fantasy season. And he's currently the QB 26 on the season. Only 32 teams. Now, <laughs> he did have a bye in week seven, so that's part of the reason. But even if you look at it on points per game, uh, he's only averaging 14 points per game that he's played in. Doesn't sound terrible, but it's in the same range as Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kenny Pickett, Bryce Young, Derek Carr, and Mac Jones. Oh no. Mac Mac Jones, who we've talked about many times, he's had two negative fantasy weeks. And and I think one that was like a zero or a one point week. He only is averaging one point less than Joe Burrow on the season. So you know, he uh, just had a bye, comes back in week eight. (laughs) Um week six, though, he only had 185 passing yards. So I just got to throw it out there. Like, is there any concern for you guys that he's not this top five option that we thought he was? You know, how long do you blame the injury? Does he get a pass this whole season? Or if he comes back from the bye and he's still putting up mediocre numbers, are are you worried? Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I will say if it still lingers beyond the bye, then I'm concerned. Uh, I will... the. Beginning of the season, especially a lot of those like low point scores he had were the first few weeks of the year, uh, and it was it was bad. And it looked like he, I think he did have a setback, so it was like really bad. The one good game was against the Cards, um, and but like you hope then he had a, the week after the game he had the bye week off, get rested, get right. If it's not, he's not going to get healthier this year unless they like make him sit a week or two. So i'm optimistic he's going to be better uh going forward um and i I, i'm believing it but i wouldn't say it's a lot i wouldn't say i'm not nervous i I, i'm very interested to see how he does this this week i am i I don't think it's talent like it's not talent it's not weapons It's, it's literally just the injury but that being said like for this year if this is an injury that's going to last the whole year then you have to change your expectations for what you're going to get out of him yeah, that's that's how I feel too. I think for for the answer is different for me. Like from a from a 
redraft or this season perspective, my worry on a scale of one to 10 is maybe a six or six and a half. And a couple Pump weeks it up ago, to a seven. for a couple of <laughs> weeks ago, it would have, a couple of weeks ago, it would have been higher, but mm-hmm. the mobility in uh, during the Arizona game, his ability to throw the ball downfield in the Arizona mm-hmm. game. Um, like, I guess if we're, we're not questioning the talent. I'm certainly not questioning the talent from mm-hmm. a, a dynasty standpoint. My worry is a zero. I have yeah. no concerns at all. So, you know, if it's just a matter of him getting back up to game speed, getting comfortable, getting his legs back under him, getting through the injury. I think what I saw week five was gave me enough confidence to say that I'm expecting him to come out. I mean, the matchup against San Francisco is absolutely brutal this week, yeah. but um <laughs> You know, and their schedule, like it, it, it doesn't do them favors after that, right? It's like San Francisco, yeah, Buffalo, Buffalo after that, yeah, yeah. at Baltimore. Yeah. Um, so I'm not necessarily saying that he's a trade for, especially in redraft, but I wouldn't say, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think we'll see a lot more of le- of the true Joe, Joe Burrow from from this point forward. I think the injury was was really screwing him up and. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm. I love watching him play, and I, I haven't been. No one's got more swag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah you definitely hope it's the injury, and hopefully, you know, this bye week he comes back and is himself. But just had to throw it out there. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point, and it's. I mean, Joe and I in a different dynasty league did buy him. Um, not super cheap, but we, we got like we needed a running back, so we got Burrow and Cook for basically Lamar. Which in that league, the way the passing scoring works, Burrow actually scores just as much, if not more, than Lamar most weeks. But uh, it, it wasn't without uh, concern. We had uh, at the time a healthy Anthony Richardson, so we felt better at the time. Then immediately he goes down. But anyway, moving forward to a positive uh, view uh, for me, I'm, I'll jump in. Uh, is Baker Mayfield? Uh, I've changed my opinion on him in a, in a very positive way. Going into the season, I wasn't even sure Baker was going to be starting uh, for the Bucks. Uh, we saw all those hilarious uh, camp battle videos of him and Trask just straight up missing wide open wide receivers. Um, and I was viewing Baker in like a startup draft of like QB 28 to 34 range, which in like Dynasty Super Flex, you're like, you're just snagging this guy because you're afraid of not having a third quarterback. That's the only reason you're grabbing them. Uh, and you're fully expecting that they probably lose their job this midseason. Um, and I was so down on Baker that I was like down on all the position players, like Mike Evans, who is another player who has looked a lot better, but partially because Baker has been pretty confident. Um, and like, honestly, right now, no one is mistaking uh, Baker for someone who's going to fulfill that first overall NFL draft pick expectations. But at the age 28, he's seemingly trying to f- figuring it out to be a competent quarterback. And so on, I'm totally fine with now rolling out as my QB2. Um, he's basically ho- what you were hoping Derek Carr or Geno Smith were going to be for your team. Um, and he hasn't just helped in Dynasty and Fantasy. He's also helped the uh, Bucks be a pretty competitive team. They're sitting at 3-3 three and three and could push for the division title. He is going to be a free agent at the end of the season, so you don't really know what he, his status is going to be beyond this. So that's a little bit in doubt. But honestly, if he keeps playing this way the rest of the year, there's going to be a team that gives him another contract and gives him a shot, uh, especially if they make the playoffs. So uh, obviously, uh, no, you're, 
this is someone you didn't like have a full confidence that you were going to be able to start beyond week 10. And now I'm like, this is a great debt piece. If I have him as QB2, I'm feeling pretty good. And he potentially will even be playing next year. So change my outlook on a uh, good old Baker. Yeah, and for him, maybe it's even situation, right? He's bounced around a bit. He was on the Browns and the Rams. Now he's on the Bucks, and maybe he finally figures it out on the Bucks. And maybe part of his issue was just the other teams that he was on a little bit. But um, yeah, I, we've talked about him a couple times on here. I, I think he's his value has gone way up compared to what you thought it was before the season. So it's been pretty fun to watch. Yeah, and it's funny that you mention uh, that – He's basically what you hoped you were getting with Derek Carr because Derek Carr is actually my uh, mm-hmm. my pick here for who I've changed my opinion on from the start of the season at the quarterback position. Um, it's just been it's been disgusting to watch. Like <laughs> there, I think yep. that there are, and it's so it's so surprising because uh, throughout his entire career with. Uh, the the Raiders, Oakland Vegas Raiders. Um, anytime their offense was out there, like they they were dynamic, they were downfield threat. He was a great deep ball thrower. He like there was just like a lot of of uh, pizzazz to the 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 Raiders offense with Derek Carr leading it. And now with the Saints, it, it almost seems like he's become maybe the most volume dependent quarterback in the entire league. Um, two QB one performances on the season. They happened to come in the last two weeks and they happened to come on the back of 55 and 50 pass attempt games. Um, only one time this season has had multiple touchdown passes. And that was in week five at new England. Uh, twice. He has zero touchdown passes and Unfortunately, it's affecting the Saints' offense, and it's also affecting the value of Chris Olave, who is a dynamic downfield receiver, and it just feels like um, Carr is not able to u- utilize Olave in a way that he has he was able to be utilized in uh, his rookie season, which is tough because you were th- you thought when Carr was coming in that it was going to be an upgrade, right? Like going in the whole offseason. I mean, I was grabbing Carr, you know, as like a late round dart throw and redraft and kind of hoping, you know, he could be a guy that you could throw out there as an every week starter, given the weapons that they have in in New Orleans, but hasn't worked out. And, you know, we'll, we'll I think we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Alvin Kamara later, but it's a perfect example. Uh, Kamara's usefulness or utility and how great he's been is just a reflection of the fact that um, he's just a Derek Carr has become like a dump off machine and he just is he's checking it down at to Kamara at an absolutely alarming rate so tough to watch um, yep. QB one two out of seven weeks on a team that's constantly in a negative game script um, just not what you want yeah, it's hard. It's hard to throw downfield to Olave when you're checking down to Kamara 20 times a game, um, yeah. which is absolutely crazy. But I think that's a good segue to to Ryan. Let's get into the running backs. Yeah, I was going to say that my first comment is the two QB one performances that Carr had that Joe mentioned. They still only resulted in 11 and 13 fantasy points. So it's definitely been very brutal for him. Um, but yeah, speaking of, you know, running backs, I did go with Camara as my, you know, good 
sort of positive change in outlook. Um, obviously, he had the three-week suspension, but I feel like there wasn't a ton of talk about in preseason. He's 28, so I think that combined with the suspension left a lot of people questioning if he would still be a top fantasy running back. Uh, and all he's done is rip off 15, 17, 14, and 23 points since returning. He's already the RB19 on the season, and that's with zero points the first three weeks. You know, he looks really good still, and he's getting a full workload. Like Joe mentioned, he's getting a ton of check down from cars. He had 14 targets last week, uh, caught 12 of them. So, you know, 12 catches for 91 yards from a running back is pretty sweet in fantasy. And he's probably one of the target leaders in the NFL over the past like four weeks. Yeah, crazy. It's Literally, crazy. yeah, he has, let's see, 14, 8, 3, and 14. So, you know, two 14 yeah. target games. Um, but, you know, people were also talking a lot about the rookie Miller taking over or Jamal Williams stealing some touchdowns, but neither of those has happened since, uh, you know, Kamara's come back. And on a points per game basis, since he's returned, he's RB7. So, for where he was drafted, especially in redraft, uh, you got a lot of value there if you didn't care about the suspension. And he looks good too, you know, mm-hmm. like the, quite the opposite of Carr, who looks like something's wrong, right? Like Kamara has, looks like he has more burst than he did last year. I know there was like some weird stuff going on with the injury that he had last year, and uh, there was more confidence going into this season that maybe he would be his old self. And that's kind of how he looked. He, he looks explosive. He's, he's making guys miss again. He's, he's fun to watch. So I I've loved everything I've seen from Kamara. Yeah. I mean, when you can dub it down to him for a three yard pass, you gotta do it. That's what Carson is on. 14 times a game. <laughs> uh, but Joe, why don't you jump into someone who doesn't really catch that many passes, but at least not as much as Kamara. Catch a zero pass. This is actually the polar opposite. <laughs> uh, so I'm going with Brian Robinson. And, you know, my opinion of Brian Robinson, it's it's kind of been like an absolute roller coaster because I was I was so out on him in the offseason. I, I mean, like, I don't think I drafted him in one mock, in one actual draft, redraft, dynasty start. Like, I just was out because... I just didn't necessarily see a path to that type of running back in this offense with Antonio Gibson getting a lot of hype and with Chris Rodriguez and other running backs there in the room. And I just kind of felt like, and then he came out week one and week two and gets rips off, you know, like gets 19 carries week one, gets 18 carries week two, gets two touchdowns week two. And he's one of like the top uh, running backs on the season through two weeks. And he's 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 managed to stay within the top 10. He's I think he's running back 10 on the season still as of right now. Yet the last four weeks, he's played 50, 35, 50, 35 percent of snaps. He's actually seeding early down carries to Chris Rodriguez at this point. I think Chris Rodriguez got maybe five and seven carries the last two weeks. He's on the field more. Um, and and Robinson's never on the field during third down and passing downs. Antonio Gibson has that role pretty much locked down. So mm-hmm. just mentioning Brian Robinson here because I feel like it was I was out and then I had regret and I'm like, how how did I not take this guy anywhere? And now I'm back out. I think that uh, you know, they they're already one of the highest 
Washington pass volume teams in the entire league. And uh, he's a very deceiving RB 10 on the season who, you know, if he's your RB one or RB two right now, you're probably in bad shape. And I, I don't know that I would even have full confidence flexing him honestly at this point. So it's, it's been a roller coaster, but not, not, not great vibes for B Rob right now. Yeah, I I had the same uh, roller coaster ride you had. I was a Gibson guy also. He's not good uh, as well. Just that they don't have a run game is what's going on in Washington. Yeah. Uh, but after those first couple of weeks, I was like, oh, I got to trade for this guy. Like, this guy's going to be like, there's a solid RB2. Maybe you can get him cheap. Wasn't able to. And thank God uh, I was not <laughs> able to because I am out again on, on him. I don't want anyone on in that rushing offense. Yep. Yeah, like you said, it just doesn't look good there. I had Gibson in a different league and dropped him because you, know, you can't start anyone there pretty much. I mean, Gibson, I think there were games he only had receptions. Like, I don't think Gibson's getting rushing attempts. So that, yeah. that yeah. offense is just not what you want for uh, from a rush. It's a weird offense overall, uh, for being honest. Super hot uh, and cold. Yeah. One, one week they look incredible. Same thing with Sam Howell. One week he's great, and the next week you're like – is he even going to well, start next game? It's a Giants. <laughs> Giants day is looking legit. I'm going to give that the wink. Um, but, but I'm going to also jump in with an, uh, another uh, unfortunate opinion change into the negative with a B. Robinson, but with Bijan, uh, which, first of all, don't hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying Bijan is bad. But I had him personally as a lock for the top five at the running back. Uh, position expecting a super high floor with a massive ceiling assuming he's going to get a crazy workload and if you've had him this year which i do have him in a a dynasty league you're disappointed uh he is the rb13 but he has no finishes above the rb8 which was back in week two he has no weeks with over 20 points yet a chain a chan who has missed three games so far still has 18 more points than bajan has on the season um so it's just putting that in perspective there and when you watch Bijan play, like you realize this is not due to the lack of talent. The guy is incredible. The issue boils down to me to two major points. First point, he isn't the only show in town for some reason. Uh, Algier is getting a, he- a healthy workload, often getting double-digit touches every week. Um, and now Cordell Pat- Patterson is back. And although he's not an elite talent, he's going to get some touches and steal a couple from Bijan. It's just Arthur Smith loves using him. Um, so, like... Even, but you'd be like, all right, sharing touches. It's Arthur Smith's run first defense, uh, run first offense. There'll still be pr- plenty of work, but that's not the case so far. Uh, Ritter's actually throwing way more passes than anyone expected. Since week two, Ritter's averaging 35 pass attempts. And he's actually running a little bit too, especially near the goal line where he's vulturing uh, touchdowns. He's had three touchdown rushes in, which as a Bajan owner, you're getting really frustrated because guess how many touchdowns Bajan has on the ground? Zero. It's crazy. Uh, so he's, I mean, he's still getting a healthy workload. He's in the past game. He's getting a, a good amount of reception. So he's still in RB1 for fantasy. And someone in Dynasty I still view as a, as a very a high in at, uh, asset. But my expectations going forward have to change for him. His floor is lower than I thought it was. You're thinking more 10-point range going forward. And his ceiling for blow-up games may just not be there. Um, at this point, like, I much prefer in both redraft and dynasty to have Brees over Bajan, which 
going into the season seemed crazy to me, but Brees at least has the ability to have those blow up games and a decent floor where I don't see the same ceiling for Bajan. But it might be hot takey, but what do you guys think? And I know, Joe, in our league, you have Bajan as well. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are on the Atlanta offense is well documented. Yeah, I was going to say, we just Truthfully, this is a lot of the genesis of, the, of those, uh, those feelings. It's just the fact that he is maybe the best pure running back in the league right now. And he's got the tank of, of, of young legs and burst is, is as full as it's ever going to be. And it's not like you can preserve that. Like it just, it just, it depletes with age. Right. So all they're doing is just like wasting valuable time of his primest of primes. So I, I hope that it changes and, you know, I, it's unfortunate because it may not as long as they continue to win. But until then, I'll just be hoping that they lose every week until they start <laughs> to give B. John Robinson the ball more frequently. Yeah. And you got to hope last week was an outlier where he really was sick or whatever oh, yeah. they're saying he was. But, yeah, I mean, Cordell Pedersen got 10 rushing attempts last week, which on the field know, it's just unbelievable when you have Robinson and Algier. Uh so, yeah, it's like we talked about. It's just kind of uh, a crapshoot over there on who you want to start for fantasy purposes. Yeah, that uh, leaves a bad taste right now. So I'm going to wash it out. I'm going to get a, a good one here, a little positive vibes going. So we're going to move to the wide receiver uh, range, and I'm going to jump in first uh, with the number one option in the Jacksonville passing game, Christian Kirk. Yeah, I didn't think I'd be saying that, especially after week one where he played only 60% of snaps with three targets and one catch. But since then, he has been undoubtedly the primary target for Trevor Lawrence. And I think it's time we start readjusting our view of this team's pecking order. Uh, Now, Kirk hasn't really blown you away in any weeks, uh, but he's been so damn consistent every single week, providing you exactly what you want out of wide receiver two flex. Since week two, he has scored between 11 and 18 points every single week. Uh, I have absolutely no shares of Christian Kirk anywhere because I was expecting him to be maybe the fourth or fifth option. And now I'm seeing that was a huge, huge mistake. Uh, Hey, that's I've made a huge mistake. Yes, huge mistake there, guys. Um, the way this team is being run right now, uh, first, it's run with ETN. That's the first option. But then it's after that, it's second, it's target Kirk. Third, it's target Engram, which I'm sure we'll get into. And then fourth, it's target Ridley. Um, and Christian Kirk, he's only 27, and he's getting paid like wide receiver one for also the next two seasons as well. And his dead cap is so high that he will not be cut. But he's performing like a wide receiver one for this team as well. So you can expect Kirk to not just be good this season, but to be tied to Trevor Lawrence for the next couple of years as well. So this is someone redraft and dynasty, I think, is a very solid asset. Yeah, it's definitely changed for the better for him. Obviously, everyone was talking about Ridley going into the season and how he was going to have this massive, massive year. But uh, you know, Kirk seems here to stay. The only other little tidbit that I'll add is that Zay Jones played week one, which was when Kirk you know, mm-hmm. had his worst week and he's basically been injured since and should be coming back soon. Maybe that changes things a little bit. But like you said, right now, he seems to be ahead of of Ridley and Engram and you would assume Zay Jones. So he's the number one target for Trevor Lawrence right now. 
Yeah, I mean, we should have known, right? Like, it's one of those things where it's just like, as a community, I think we kind of just like overthought it a little bit and was like, yeah, Ridley, you know, he, he, had, great last year. He, had, he had success the last time he was on the field, like two, yeah. two fucking years ago. And uh, yeah, Kirk was Kirk was very solid last year. Yeah. And even in the playoffs, right? Two playoff games, he had 14 targets and a touchdown in each of the two playoff games. So like the last time he was on the field, but going into the season, he was the number one receiver. And we all just kind of like, just forgot about him yeah. heading into this season. And it was like, all of a sudden week two, it was like, oh yeah, you know, Christian Kirk's the number one receiver again. I know. And I, I feel like uh, the preseason uh, led into, because they were saying Zay Jones was the outside guy and Kirk was going to play slot, but they do, was it uh, 12 personnel a lot where there's two tight ends and the slot mm-hmm. guys off the field. So if you're, you want a guy who gets in the slot, but isn't only a slot wide receiver, you want someone who runs like a flanker route. And it seemed like, after week one, Kirk was only playing slot. So that's why we're like, yeah, he's done. Like, he's only going to be half the field. But I don't see how he's not involved more now. Like, I feel like Zay Jones, like, no matter what, like, Zay Jones will be off the field over uh, Christian Kirk. You're leaving Kirk on that field. Like, yeah. I think so, but. Yeah, we'll see that. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. I think as, a, as a Kirk owner in a lot of leagues last year, Dave Jones scored a lot of touchdowns last year. I'm actually going to pop it open right now. Towards yeah. the Zay, end of the year, he had a three Zay, touchdown game towards the end of last year. Zay Jones is yeah. very underrated. He's yeah. what, like 28, I think, as well. He's a late bloomer, but he had, I think, a really nice That's touchdown funny. for the Jags only a few week, like a couple weeks ago as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's keep the positive vibes going because I know the the, the bad one. I'm going to have some explaining to do. So, Joe, why don't you jump in first? <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, Puka Nakua for mine. So Puka is currently the wide receiver four on the season. Um, and he has the same number of touchdowns as he does weeks outside the top 12 wide receivers, which is an incredible statistic uh, being um, number four wide receiver on the season. Two touchdowns, two weeks outside the top 12. And why I'm choosing to mention him here, because um, after week one, uh, he burst onto the scene and it was it felt a little bit uh, out of necessity. Right. He had, you know, like an unbelievable amount of targets and receptions and yards for a rookie in the first game. Week one kind of felt like a flash in the pan. I wasn't that in. I don't I don't I didn't put in any fab really anywhere that would have. resulted in me acquiring him after such a performance week one. And the reality is that he basically continues to demand double digit targets at the entire season. He's a really strong receiver. He's always open. He's big. He catches the ball. (laughs) Like he's got good hands. And even now with Cooper cup back, right? Like I felt, I felt good. I even said on the pod last week about cup coming in week one kind of felt like, you know, Tutu Atwell was the was the odd man out. And I still think he is, right? I still think it's Cup and Nakua as like the 1A and 1B here. But uh, Nakua had 140-something yards and another 13 or 14 targets last week in a, in a negative game script. And Cup was like 4 for 30 and change or 5, mm-hmm. for, five for 40. So, um, you know, he's, he's not touchdown dependent, which is incredible at the wide receiver position. And if, if the positive touchdown regression does start to come, you know, he might finish the season as a top five wide receiver. So uh, you're real happy with him and definitely somebody who I feel like after week one, I was not super confident 
was going to be able to sustain, and he's definitely sustained. Yeah, and like you said, when Cup came back, you thought he'd see you know less, but he really hasn't. I guess to flip it, are you at all concerned about Cup now that Puka has kind of established himself there? Cup had a down game last week, and like you said, you know Puka had twelve targets. So I am in Dynasty. I would be concerned with Cup. I think if I wasn't a contender this year, I'd probably be looking to sell because he's 30 years old and he has an injury history and we don't really know what the quarterback situation for the Rams is going to be like beyond this year, really. I mean, maybe we get another year of Matt Stafford. I feel like any any additional years of Matt, Matt Stafford at this point are like a gift to Rams dynasty fantasy football players so yeah i mean i'm not i'm not incredibly incredibly concerned um about cup for this season i'm i I was frustrated last week by the usage because i had a cup anytime score or touchdown bet (laughs) and it just seems like you could run that that in and out uh route that they kind of run with cup where he's the outside wide receiver and they're on the one or two yard line and, and he starts in and then kind of zigzag yeah. like zags right out towards the pylon and Stafford's got the timing down with him perfectly. And he catches it with like, every, like it works every time, every time it works. He, he probably caught that exact pass for a touchdown, like 16 times for a touchdown last year alone. They did it for the two point. Like it's just, they they could run that play every time. So just, you know, like I think that they will down like, you know, once, once, uh, the game they're 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 a playoff contending team. Hopefully they'll stay a playoff contending team. And I wouldn't necessarily be super worried about Cup. But if I had him in Dynasty and I wasn't contending, I I'd probably look to get what I can. Yeah. I, I have no concerns at all. It's it's just pure age with Cup, which that's any player, no matter what the anytime you start seeing a player get near thirty, you're like, oh, I gotta get rid of this guy. Um but if you're a contending team, it's like I'm riding this to the ground. Um and yeah, I, Cup's still a wide receiver one, but I think both can coexist. Stafford's done it before. I mean, it's been Cup and Robert Woods in the past, and it, it seems like Puka is taking that Robert Woods role. Um, so I'm, I think they both can coexist, and I'd be excited to have both on my team. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think it's a 1A, 1B situation, and they mm-hmm. should both be very playable going forward. But flipping the script uh, to someone yeah. who I think we've soured on a little bit, um, you know, Jerry yeah. Judy... And I know, Dave, you just traded for him, so we'll get your thoughts. But first, let's throw a few facts out. Uh, He's wide receiver 55 on the season, 57 on a points-per-game basis. His best week was 10 points. Uh, He has zero touchdowns. You could blame it on Russell Wilson, but Sutton has five touchdowns on the season as the wide receiver 20. I just think Jerry Judy is one of those guys that everyone's kind of high on year after year, but then he never performs but it's always kind of blamed on something almost like a DJ Moore, like a Calvin Ridley where, you know, there's just always this hype, but it never happens. And then, you know, next year he'll have the hype and it may not happen, but uh, I just don't think he's going to turn into a top 15 wide receiver option or anywhere near that, uh, even if he gets treated. So I'm out on him now, but let's hear your thoughts, Dave. Right. That is exactly what I hope happens is that people still believe the hype. And that is what I am. That's why I acquired. I hate Jared Judy. I think he stinks. Uh, I've been saying that I've been out on Jared Judy for so long. 
even in uh, a different redraft league with Joe, I ended up drafting him with one of my last picks in that draft because I know people do believe in him and I don't. And to me, that is like such an, it's very easy to trade away someone you don't believe in and someone else can buy into. So you just, even if it's like a sweetener, like I'll go in like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm losing much, but it gets a deal done. Uh, so that's what I'm hoping to get. And for me, I like, uh, and we can get into the trade uh, in more detail a little bit later, but I, uh, I needed more youth in the wide receiver room. I have a lot of older guys. I do have a couple of rookies, but I didn't have too many younger wide receivers. So I need some youth there. And I gave up a lot of, older assets that are better, definitely better than Judy this year, um, in my opinion, but uh, probably don't have too much uh, like value beyond this year. And like after this year ends, they probably will have zero trade value. So I'm like, all right, if I can get Judy some youth, if he starts turning it around, get people buying into that hype again, I can flip him for something. So that was my whole uh, motivation for that trade. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's, that's pretty accurate in what, you know, has to happen because it just doesn't look good. And, you know, I don't think he's going to be a good option going forward. But like you said, like I said, he, he has that hype year after year for some reason. I don't know why. Always believers in him. I, yeah. yeah. He's, I don't know. He, he'll have like one or two good games and that's when I'm selling him. I just can't wait. <laughs> just waiting. <laughs> he might be waiting a while. I know. No, he'll have he'll have one or two. Whenever there's a broken coverage, he'll beat them, and then people think that he's like an amazing route runner. It's like no, they're just stuck there. <laughs> he might be waiting until he's on a different team because his quarterback I, uh, right now absolutely stinks on ice. So yeah, I think though I think coaching hates him too. Like he, I don't, I can't believe like what the past two games he's had what like ten targets for like five catches and what forty yards. Like I don't even know how he's doing. It's like. Are they only throwing at the line of scrimmage with them? It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know what? Uh, let's get the last bad one out of the way. It's with me, and then we'll finish on a couple good notes. So, moving to the tight end. Um, first of all, I'm just also going to throw it out there. Tight end is an utter crapshoot, uh, especially in Dynasty. Um, it's it's such a hard position, position to predict outside of the top seven or eight at the position. Um but I did. There was this second year tight end, Chigakonkwo, that the dynasty community was absolutely enamored with, including myself. Um, there was just so much hype for this guy who, as a player who was going to ascend into the top 10 at the position. Although uh, some cold water got thrown on that when the uh, Tennessee tight end signed uh, DeAndre Hopkins, because a big aspect of that was the fact that there were so many available targets up for grabs, and that is no longer really the case. But the other part you were excited about with Chig was that he was – you saw in his rookie season, he was so explosive uh, with the ball and yards after the catch, uh, getting these massive chunk plays. Last year, Chig was averaging uh, his yards per target of 9.78 yards and 14.06 yards per catch. But this year, those numbers have been effectively cut in half. He is at 4.9 yards per target and 7.17 yards per catch. So you are, and if you're only getting about four targets a game and with those few opportunities, you need to have big chunk plays to get fantasy points. And he's not getting that right now. He's having shorter passes and he's not breaking free for yards after catch. So he's just simply not a starting option anymore. Uh, He is currently the tight end 35 on the year, um, which is just useless, even in a tight end premium league like we are in right now. And now... 
Ryan Tannehill is hurt and you're going to have the likes of Will Levis or Malik Willis thrown to him for the foreseeable future, it is not going to get better. So although I do love his athletic profile, I need to focus my attention elsewhere at the tight end position. Sad. Yeah, no, he he just hasn't had the usage, like you said. And uh, his name was just so fun to say too. If he was good, chick, come on, and you know, like uh, Hopkins signing hurt, and but honestly, like, is anybody in that passing offense producing anything? I mean, Traylon Burke's been hurt too, but like, just hurt the whole time. R- he's back yeah. now. He's healthy. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill uh, has looked washed up, and I think that's. Part, yeah. part, partially contributing to to Chig's underperformance this year for sure. Yeah, and that whole team, the yeah. offensive side at least is just disastrous. But uh, let's uh, let's really turn around to a solid rookie. Ride Dogs wants to jump in here. Yeah, so someone I think people were pretty high on before the season, but now you're way way higher on is Sam Laporta. You know, got to be almost considered the steal of the rookie draft. He was taken in the late second round in our draft but probably slipped to the third round in some drafts and he's currently the tight end four on the season uh, already as a rookie he's looked good and honestly the fact that he's performing so well on a team that it turns out is actually loaded with fantasy relevant players the Detroit Lions who would have thought Um, but you know you got Goff, Montgomery, Gibbs, St. Brown even Josh Reynolds has become fantasy relevant Uh, it's pretty encouraging and you know, long-term view right now, he's the number two dynasty ranked tight end, but he's literally one spot behind Travis Kelsey because of Kelsey's age. So he's likely going to be the number one tight end dynasty asset, uh, you know, real soon, um, already kind of pushing for it. So that's a, a huge sort of turn of events from the beginning of the season and someone that everyone's high on now. And, and historically rookie tight ends, do not show up. He is shattering the record books for rookie tight end. So easily could be, I mean, he's got to be considered a top three, four dynasty tight end already. Like he is just dominating. With the hype and the new shiny toy situation, I wouldn't be surprised if he was like the first or the second guy off, uh, off the board from a tight end perspective in dynasty startups this off season. Yeah. yeah Cause like, yeah, Kelsey's a year older. Andrew's still up there. But, like, after after Andrew's and Kelsey, like, you got Hawkinson's in, in the mix and Laporta. Like, I think yeah. that's, like, the top four. I don't think there's anyone else in consideration there. Yeah. Yeah. But one other guy who's pretty uh, – he's in probably that next tier in the tight end position. Um, is uh, someone Joey's going to speak to. Yeah, so not flashy. Um, my opinion on this person has again been a bit of a roller coaster, even throughout his entire career, because he started off his career with the Giants and absolutely was about as unreliable as they get for, at the tight end position. For you could the not team. be more excited to get rid of him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Evan Ingram, and I'm mentioning Evan Ingram here because um, he's very. I guess, under the radar, if you will. And, you know, like a lot of people view the tight end position as uh, touchdown dependent, right? Like most tight ends aren't getting a lot of volume. So if you can get the guy who gets the touchdown, then you're probably going to have a, a, a tight end one on the week, probably somewhere from tight end three to seven or eight, right? Like if your guy scores. Evan Ingram has not scored one single touchdown this entire season, and he's still the tight end seven. Uh, ahead of guys like George Kittle, 
who has scored three times. He's had uh, four weeks as a tight end one, uh, two as a high end tight end two, right? So he finished uh, as tight end 14, two different times. So basically he's a tight end one every week and he still doesn't, he still hasn't scored a touchdown. So uh, he's basically a lock to produce. Like Dave said earlier, he's basically Trevor Lawrence's second read on just about every passing play. Mm -hmm. And if the touchdown dependency, uh, if the touchdown uh, variance actually starts to tilt in his direction and he scores two or three or four times over the rest of the season, uh, you're, t- you're looking at a potentially a top three or four guy. So I definitely uh, am higher on Evan Ingram than I was previously. And, and probably somebody who, you know, like you, if you're, if you don't have one of the elite guys at tight end, like I would say, I would confidently say like that your absolute best, best option at tight end, because you know for sure that you're going to get some output and you're not going to just get crapped. So yeah. Evan Ingram. It's like you said, he he's, has seven or eight targets every single game except week yeah. one, which he had five targets. So if you're getting yeah. seven or eight targets from your tight end every single week, guaranteed, that's pretty valuable. It's huge. Yeah, and, you're getting goosed a lot. Like even Kittle gooses you a ton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like uh, I, I feel like, like I actually have Ingram in a lot of places because – he, he always is just a value. Like he never went in, like he's never drafted in top side of the top seven, like tight ends anywhere I was. Even like in Dynasty, I acquired him pretty cheap. Because, But if I wasn't getting one of the top like three, four guys, now you can put Laporta in there. But if I wasn't getting one of those elite guys, I was like, I'm just getting Ingram. And like knowing I'm going to be good there. Um, so I, I agree. I think it's only, for me, it's like I always, uh, I thought he was solid, but I just have such uh, stronger confidence in them now, I think, seeing that volume. But with that, we're going to move into some of our uh, our league updates because finally the floodgates opened in the trade market, boys. We were just holding and just took the, to the midpoint of the season for, for some trades to happen. And honestly, thanks to Scotty. Scotty basically made it all happen. We had four trades and the first three coming from uh, Mr. Rapazzotti over here. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about the first one. Kind of a minor trade. It was uh, Scott acquired Joshua Dobbs, uh, quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, and he gave up. And I didn't realize it was a 2026 until I was looking at this doc, but his second-round pick in 2026, or a few years out. Um, Scott needed a quarterback for the week, so he traded and got one. Uh, n- no real like fireworks here, but I don't know if you guys have any thoughts there. Not, not much to really say. It was just got a stopgap quarterback, Phil. Yeah, I mean, Dobbs has been great as a stopgap quarterback. And, you know, Kyler Murray is supposed to come back. But I don't know. I feel like there's still question marks there on what's going to happen with Murray. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he gave up a 2026 pick. I, so. Yeah. Yeah, there's re-injury risk and with Murray. And, yeah, I mean, you have a couple of years to figure out what you're going to do about your 2026 second round pick, right? Like you have two full seasons to, to, to try and make a, a, any number of other trades where you get somebody to throw in a 2026 second to balance the scales and all of a sudden you're right back into the second round. So I, you know, I, I view it, I view that as a good move and yeah. uh, got to get a start quarterback out there. So, um, yeah, I mean, these are low-value assets all around. Yeah, so it's yeah. not, this isn't really having a major impact, but it, it filled the need in, at the time. Yeah. Moving on to trade number two, which we alluded to before, I acquired Jerry Judy, 
and I gave up Odell Beckham, Logan Thomas, and Malik Willis. Um, I was involved in it, so I'll let you guys speak more to it. Yeah, so I think it's a good opportunity to uh, grab another depth piece at quarterback for Scott. I like the idea of adding Logan Thomas, who in a tight end premium league, Logan Thomas. Yeah, he's been really solid. Uh, I think he's like a top 10. I think he actually is like the tight end, like, I don't know, somewhere in like the 10 to 12 range. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's been pretty good. Um, And yeah, I mean, as somebody who was optimistic about Jerry Judy coming into the season, I I no longer have that same level of of optimism. Uh, I think he, I think he just, I think his opportunity to be an elite player in the league is, is probably past because if, he was going to be elite, then you, you'd be noticing it right now, right? Like Garrett Wilson is elite, mm-hmm. and he's playing. He's got an absolute dog shit quarterback throwing him the ball, <laughs> and you you know that he's yeah he's elite, right? So we somebody said it. One of you guys said it earlier, right? Like Cortland Sutton is yeah he's significantly yeah, outproduced. Yeah, yeah, significantly outproducing Judy. So I think Judy's kind of done and. I, I I like the move for both sides, though, because I think if Judy ends up getting traded in the offseason, which is very, very likely to happen, um, and ends up on a new team, you can trade him on the promise of fresh start. Yeah. And even though night, saying, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a guarantee. It, just watch. He'll go to somebody like Buffalo or Miami or something, mm-hmm. and maybe he'll have a decent career. Uh, and or, or, or the Chiefs. Watch him go to the Chiefs. Yeah. yeah, well, if you went to the Chiefs, I think you'd probably... I'd probably hold him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would be the one with the hype for him then. Oh, man. It's <laughs> <This is> great. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we obviously heard your side of it and your reasoning for doing it, but I yeah. I love it from Scott's side, too, I think. Yeah. You know, he, he's not going to get much out of Jerry Judy this year, and he got, you know, three guys that he could at least do something with, and I think... Logan Thomas is probably the most valuable one. He's been having a great year in tight end premium league. You can throw him into his lineup right now and, you know, should help him this year. We, uh, earlier last week, we were talking about a larger deal that had Logan Thomas that he really wanted as well. So I realized that bigger deal wasn't happening anymore. And like, I couldn't get the assets to like level it out. But then he was asking me about Jared Judy. I'm like, all right, like we can probably make, I, I can see a path for this working out for both of us. So it's happy to get that deal done. But moving to trade three, he did this at the same time. He was, he was working two parties at once. He made a second deal, or I should say in this, a third deal, which Luter as well at the same time. And I look at all these deals to kind of together and I kind of I love what he did, but he ended up uh, acquiring Kirk Cousins and a 2024 second. And he get, traded away James Conner, Quinton Johnson, and a uh, I think it was a was it 2024 first? It might have been 2025 first. It might have been a future first. Uh, but he traded away a, a first as well. Um, I personally love this because, as we mentioned, uh, Scott needed to solve the quarterback situation. He's kind of had a lot of patchwork quarterback uh, solves. And now he's got like a, a solid option uh, this year. And he'll, and Kirk is going to play next year and a couple years after that. And he's been a great quarterback so far. And he didn't, in my opinion, give up too too much uh like he got a, a second round pick this year back uh james connor he's hurt we'll see how if the team kind of stinks but he scott's loaded at running back so he's not gonna be missing uh james connor and qj uh i think is overrated and it's not really going to be much he hasn't really shown 
too much excitement so far at the NFL level. If you don't start showing it your rookie year, you're never really going to ascend to that. Um, so to get a quarterback who I think could be top 10 for the year this year and still be solid in future years and solve that problem without giving any of his core lineup, which is already stacked, I think this was a great move for Scott. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we talked about it last week. Uh, Scott just needed a quarterback, and the rest of his lineup is real solid. So he gets to throw Kirk Cousin in there now, who is probably a top 10 fantasy QB this season. And like you said, he's not, he's old, but he's not going anywhere. He could have a couple of seasons left. Who knows? So really only downgraded from a first round pick to a second round pick, even if the years are different, um, and gave up two guys that uh, I'm with you. I don't value super, super high right now. So I like the move. And I think Scott's team gets a lot tougher with Kirk Cousins at the helm. Much fewer holes now when you're playing them. Yep. I agree. I'll just echo what you said about QJ. I think uh, the ballers had a whole conversation about um, the concerns about the, the, the opportunity that he's having this season relative to how much he's actually taking advantage of that opportunity. And it's like, you know, like you said, right, like ro- rookie wide receivers who are given a great opportunity and don't really take advantage of it or flash at all. There are some that, you know, in year two or year three will kind of pop up out of nowhere, but it's uh, certainly not uh, the the likely outcome at this point. So I think taking advantage of the asset there now and like, Rod Dog, you said, you know, just basically moving back from first to second round to add a quarterback who should play for a number of more years in the Superflex League was a good move. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of it. I mean, also with Quinn Johnson, like he's he was one of the higher drafted rookies, but here are the list of rookies who are doing better than him and seizing opportunities. You got Puka that we talked about, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, Rasheed Rice, Michael Wilson, Tank Dell. Uh, was it Jaden Reed, Marvin Mims, JSN, even uh, Demario Douglas, Bobo, uh, Marvin, Marvin Mims on like four catches? Yeah, Trey Palmer, Jalen yeah. Hyatt, uh, Wicks, Mingo, Trey Tucker, Davis, Scott, and then who, I don't even know who Bell is. Ronnie Bell on the court. Like these guys all have more points in bigger weeks than. QJ Go and blue, like some of those, some of these things are huge, but you're talking about like at least ten guys. I personally would rather have in dynasty than uh, Quinn Johnson. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought it was a great move, but uh, and getting out there and again, Scott. So I know uh, a little bit behind the scenes, Scott. A lot of people were going after Brees Hall. That was the asset everyone wanted, especially when it came to trading a quarterback involved. He very very smart. Him, he was steadfast. It wasn't happening. You're not going to Brees Hall, which was definitely the right move. And the fact that you get to keep him and get still solve his quarterback position, I'm very impressed and thought it was a great move there. Um, yeah, you're not trading Brees Hall. I, I fully get that. And then to the last trade, uh, Matt Rosinski acquired Tony Pollard from Chris Canellos, and he gave up a 2024 first and 2025 second, which to me, that's exactly the value in picks that I probably would have expected for Pollard there. So not too much of all, but just Matt's already epic. Like He has too many running backs. That's my biggest concern. Like He has too many strong running backs and spread the ball. Yeah, yeah, I just got to correct you there, though. It's Dan Rosinski, not not Matt. Oh, you're right. You're right. Dan doesn't. Dan manages the team. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, 
you know, I don't, I don't know why Matt's collecting running backs, but uh, I think if you just look at the trade in a vacuum, pretty fair. Yeah, I would agree. In fact, I saw it and I was honestly a little bit jealous of the Canelo side because capitalizing on an asset like Pollard and getting an early first and uh, getting a first and a second is solid, solid return there. I mean, Pollard, are we sure Pollard's that good? You know, like he's he he's kind of one of those guys who was hyped up and behind Zeke for years. And then last year he got his opportunity, looked explosive, really like really looked the part, was running well, was catching a lot of passes. This year has not has not really run that well. I mean, he's involved in the passing game, but he's like kind of shit from just like between the tackles running. So. Um, yeah, there's a lot of season left, obviously, and they're 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 throwing it to him quite a bit in the passing game, and he's had some some good games against poor, weaker defenses rushing. But I think that's uh, I think that's a good move, and I know that there are some other uh, running backs out there that in the league that I'm waiting to see if they move. I know Harry and and uh, Costa are trying to shed Jacobs, but. Um, I actually think Jacobs is a, is I, for me personally, I'd rather have Jacobs than Pollard for the rest of this season. I don't know about dynasty, but for this season, I think rest of season, I would water bet Jacobs to score more fantasy points than Pollard. So, uh, there's definitely some, uh, hopefully some more chips dominoes left to fall. And, uh, I'll be, I'll be looking to make some moves too, as my team fell to two and five this year. And I'm definitively slipping into 2024 mode yeah i honestly i think paul and jacobs will be closer than you think jacobs has not looked good either at all this year but to the Pollard point pollard has averaged basically over five yards a carry his entire career and this year he's below he's at 3.85 so the efficiency has not been there for Pollard, which is definitely part of the issue but who knows maybe coming out of the uh the bye they'll bounce back um but also David Montgomery, who is the best running back of all the running backs available, uh, is available. Um, I'm in like a weird limbo where like I should, I feel like I should sell, but my record has me kind of in the mix, but I just don't see a path forward to making the playoffs. Like, I don't know, we'll see. That's what I was saying on the last podcast. I feel like you're in tank mode, but you have a winning record and you're just like. But it was a facade. It was a facade. We all know it's a facade. I have the second lowest point scored in the league. Uh, Hey, we always say though, all you gotta do is make the playoffs. I know, but my whole team's hurt. I like just can't. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'll. I, I I think I'm gonna lose too many games before my team gets healthy to be a, in the playoffs, which is why I'm like, let's just lose more. Um, yeah. But Monty also, I think, will be good in like a, for the next like couple of years too. So it's, it's a weird one. He's not young, but he's not old. But those are the trades. Happy to see them finally go down. Uh, hopefully we see a couple more now that uh, people are getting antsy and uh, and we kind of broke the ice a little bit. But uh, given a quick update uh, on the high and low scores, low score was uh, Harry and Dan this week. It, uh, we had, what was it, 85.16. Still not coming close to uh, the week one record uh, of the Wilkinson bros still. <laughs> Six <laughs> <years>. So holding <laughs> on strong. <laughs> not, not looking great. I was hoping okay. someone would be a little closer here soon. We're at the midpoint, right? You you have seven more weeks, um, so we'll see. Um, once my if, once my fire sale happens, then I'll I'll be a, a contender for that. Yeah, that's what you need. You need someone to just like fully outsell. Like, yeah, yeah. That and, and bye weeks. You know, bye weeks. I don't know. We'll see if someone sells bye weeks. It could happen. 
I mean, last week was the biggest bye week of the year. And there's no buys this week. <laughs> there's no so. buys this week, so yeah, I don't know. We're, we're, we're in trouble. <laughs> and then uh, for the high, it was actually uh, Mike Caffer, Mike Williams for a new record. This is now the, the score to beat, 192.46. So congrats to them for uh, breaking the record and uh, holding it down. So we'll see if anyone can top it in the final seven weeks. But that being said, uh, any uh, future match? Obviously, we got Jets Giants this week. Um, not something I'd say I look forward to because um, both teams are poo poo. But we uh, will definitely be following uh, that game. I'm sure there's a lot of Jets and Giants fans in our league, so that'll be a nice little rivalry. But it'll be interesting to see, I guess, uh, how if Daniel Jones plays, if he's actually better than Tyrod after what he's been doing. But I don't know if there's anything else you guys are looking forward to or any matchups in our league that you're keeping an eye on. Um, not a ton. Uh, as, as my focus has slightly shifted a little bit towards 2024 um, as one of the, the – I think I'm the – well, third, third, third uh, from the bottom – uh, I face team. You call that third worst. Yeah, I face. <laughs> that, would, that would be that would be correct. <laughs> I face team Canelos this year, who is in the actual basement, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think if he takes me down, then that might put me into uh, pole position for the one hundred and one. So let the let the tank season begin, boys. <laughs> and I'm. Uh, I was looking at actually scott's team facing off against adam's team just because i feel like adam just keeps slipping by with wins he has the best record but i just he's almost like the falcons he just wins even though i feel like he shouldn't win every week um and scott's team now got a lot better so even though he's two and five i'm i'm curious to see if he can take down adam there um and then in terms of real football Thursday night, we got the bills. I'm excited to watch the bills. I feel like mm-hmm. they're so kind of hit or miss almost that like playing the bucks. I think they're favored by like nine. I, I feel like it's still going to be a really close game. Yeah. I'm hoping it's a get right game. Um, they need one because that, that offense has been sputtering lately, but yeah. we'll, we'll see. Thursday night games can throw like kind of curveballs at you. So see if it, it screws them up a little. Yeah, Josh Allen, he, he's still been a top fantasy quarterback, but it's like the first half you're like panicking because he it doesn't have anything. He looks bad. I have him in a, a redraft, and he looks so bad for 75% of the game. And then the last quarter, he just like scores multiple touchdowns, and he ends up, I think it was what, like QB4 yeah. or something this week? He yeah. looked horrible. It was a yeah. horrible game. Literally, it's the last two games. He just scores all his points in the fourth, fourth quarter. It's crazy. Love it. Love it. Yeah. He's great to own. You, you do get anxious when you look at the end of the week. You're like, yeah, that was actually okay. Not bad. <laughs> all right. But with that, thank you guys for listening again. Uh, good luck in all your fantasy matchups. And uh, cheers to week eight of the NFL season. Have a good one on the NSFW Dynasty Podcast. Take care, guys. SFW Dynasty Podcast. Tune in next time 